Hello and welcome to the Almost Enlightened podcast. My name's Alex Morin. I'm your host, and today's episode is all about giving. I'm a big believer in giving, and I'll bet that you are too. For the most part, I find that people want to give. But pay attention to the phraseology there. They want to give, as opposed to they give. And there's a big difference there. So what is it that prevents so many of us from simply giving? Does a lack of hours in the day prevent people from giving their time? Does a lack of available money prevent people from giving dollars? Or is it all a perception problem? In today's episode, I'll examine the philosophy of giving and attempt to uncover truths about what happens when you truly give. Speaking from my own personal experience, there are parts of me that feel great about what I've given over the years, and then there's another side of me that feels unbelievably guilty for what I haven't given. On top of that, I'm aware that today's subject matter makes a lot of people uneasy, and it certainly does for me. I immediately get defensive when people start talking about giving, because perhaps in my heart, I know that I could give more, and I've got a thousand reasons why I don't. So let's jump into the topic and see where it takes us today. Time and resources are probably the two things that immediately spring to mind when thinking about giving. For those of us that don't have bountiful resources, time is an excellent thing to give. Helping at a shelter, planting trees, volunteering at school, canvassing and mentoring are all great examples of things you can do with your time that are beneficial to others and to our planet. On the other hand, your resources may provide a huge lift to people or organizations in need. Whether that's money, food, clothing, blood, or supplies of any sort, these resources are vital to those in need. And then, I'm going to add a third category of giving, and we'll call that thought energy, which I suppose could be put under the resources category, but we'll keep it on its own for now, and we'll circle back to this concept and explore it in some detail later in the episode. But for now, let's begin our journey by understanding what it means to give. I've heard it said before that the greatest gift is life, which is what all of us have been given. Whether you want to thank your parents for that, a higher being, or the universe itself, to be alive is all we've got. And it was given to us. The awareness of that gift should be enough to prompt all of us to give everything we've got. But sadly, it doesn't. For so many of us, we lack the awareness of just how truly miraculous it is to be living. But a little reflection can change that very quickly. Have you ever had a near-death experience? Have you experienced tragedy in the form of losing a loved one? These experiences often give us pause to reflect on the fragility of life. They allow us a different perspective in which the clutter of life is eliminated. All of a sudden, the broken door handle on your freezer just isn't all that important anymore. The argument you had with your sister the previous day, ugh, it's nothing but nonsense. In moments of suffering, we often focus on what's truly important. And these are the moments to pay attention to. For example, imagine you have a friend that just got diagnosed with a terrible illness. Without doubt, what Whatever was stressing you and whatever was occupying your time takes a backseat to your friend's needs. 
You offer help of any kind, whether it's driving, cooking, helping with kids, or whatever it takes. And that's instinctual, isn't it? And I think that most people in the same situation would and do jump at the chance to help. So if we do this for loved ones and close friends, are we capable of expanding the circumference of care by at least one degree? Are we capable of looking within our community at how we can help? In a previous episode, we looked at how our thoughts and our actions can change the world. People like Greta Thunberg and Malala Yousafzai are doing it right now. And it's unbelievable to see the power of their thoughts broadcast across such a global channel. These young women had to start somewhere. And I'll bet that their thoughts were developed at home and within their own communities before branching out to the rest of the world. Well, it's this small start that I'd like to focus on for just a few minutes. Most of us are experts at caring for our loved ones and our close friends. But is it possible to open our hearts for a moment to reflect on how many of our neighbors are suffering? And perhaps even our neighbor's neighbors? Now this is exactly the type of circumference I'm talking about. Nothing too massive, yet big enough to create enormous amounts of positive change. So how would we go about doing that? How do we channel our level of care to people we don't know? Well, it seems to me that the answer lies in awareness. When we begin to understand that everyone suffers in some way, we may begin to open our hearts to greater compassion. You're already an awesome human being, so when you begin to live with an awareness that, as the REM song goes, everybody hurts, then it now becomes possible to address that reality. Interestingly, that same REM song ends with the lyric, You are not alone. And not to get too philosophical about that song, but you can certainly interpret that last lyric in at least a couple of ways. One, you're not alone, meaning literally everyone hurts, perhaps just as much as you do. Or two, you're not alone, as in someone is there for you, And, as in another lyric in the song, take comfort in your friends. We don't have to be best friends with someone in order to help. We just have to be aware that everybody hurts. And when we're aware, it becomes natural to want to smile at someone, to want to hold a door open, to want to greet someone nicely as you walk past them. These little things are precisely where big ideas are born. Now, I'm certainly guilty of looking past the early stages of success and focusing too intently on the desired outcome. When I do that, I often get overwhelmed with how massive in scope a project is and often abandon the idea before even beginning. But every creator knows that success is a progressive journey. It always has to begin somewhere. So why not start small and see where it goes? If every listener of this podcast... All 27 of them change their perception by opening up awareness and smiling at neighbors or going as far as genuinely asking how their days are going. I'm telling you right now that it would make a difference. In fact, I remember a time while going to university and working nights as a waiter that a guest came in to have dinner by himself. Instead of simply asking for his order... I took a little time to get to know him and inquired as to whether he was from town or in town on business. As it turns out, he was a government official in town on business. 
and it was genuinely interesting to get to know him a little bit. I also remember that when he'd finished his dinner and settled the bill, he called me over. He told me that he appreciated the conversation we'd had, and he also told me that at some point in the evening, I'd put a hand on his shoulder to ask him a question, and he appreciated the human touch. I sensed that he was perhaps lonely, or or maybe that being on the road can be a lonely endeavor. But I also understood that I'd made a small difference in this person's life by brightening his evening. He left the restaurant, and I never saw him again. Now, this was over 20 years ago, and yet I still remember the instance, and I'm pretty sure I still remember his name. How crazy is that? But that's an example of something so small that resonated, at least with me, for over 20 years. You see, it taught me to care about people, to stop, and to make the time to learn about what people are up to and what they're going through. When we do that, not only do we enrich our own lives, but we enrich the lives of others. And these are the simple types of interactions that we can have with neighbors or people in our community that we encounter on a walk or in the grocery store. Because when we realize that everybody hurts, we develop a kinship amongst our fellow human beings. I often witness my five-year-old interact with complete strangers, and I see just how much of a positive impact he makes with these people. For those of you that have young kids or remember having young kids, you'll no doubt remember the enthusiasm that youngsters have for sharing moments with complete strangers. It's really a shame that these days our illogical fear of stranger danger has encouraged us to be less open and less willing to engage with people that we don't know. Because when we do engage, be it as a five-year-old or as a 50-year-old, it's always an adventure. From sharing an observation to sharing a current event that fascinates my young son, people will stop what they're doing and they'll interact with him. Their eyes will light up, a smile will appear, and they're willing to participate in the interaction. I do believe that these interactions are important for everyone. They bring a new energy, a new perspective, and they can alter someone's day just by changing the routine for a short moment in time. I used to enjoy practicing my son's enthusiasm for random conversation in airports. Because I used to travel frequently for work, I spent a ton of time in airports. And I initiated thousands of conversations over my lifetime and was never let down by a single one of them. Sometimes these conversations would lift me out of a particularly stressful mood. And sometimes upon departing, people would thank me for the sincere conversation. You see, giving can be as simple as an ordinary conversation. In fact, there's a substantial amount of research that indicates a correlation between talking with strangers and mood boosting. According to Dr. Gillian Sandstrom from the University of Essex, Research has demonstrated that moods can and do change after a conversation with a Starbucks barista or a volunteer at an art museum. The point I'm trying to make here is that giving isn't only about material offerings. Giving is as simple as having an open heart and perhaps a random conversation. Try it today. Try it with someone you've never met. Start with a sincere compliment and just see where it goes. I bet you'll be amazed at what happens. Unfortunately, in our society, we often go through life with a what's-in-it-for-me attitude. 
I don't know where that comes from. I probably have to think about it. But it's certainly an interesting question to ponder. What's in it for me? Well, did you know that happiness is chemical? (laughs) I deliberately phrased it that way to make you think. There are four main neurochemicals, hormones and neurotransmitters, that are largely responsible for the sensation or emotion that we call happiness. Let's look at a couple of them. And the first one will be dopamine. According to Kaya Roman on the Thrive Global website, dopamine is a neurotransmitter that's often referred to as the chemical of reward. You get a blast of it when you accomplish something, and studies have shown that you also get a dose of it when you perform acts of kindness toward others. Things like volunteering or helping out have been linked to increases in dopamine, and even thinking thoughts of love and kindness can also bring on the rush. Wow! Meanwhile, the hormone oxytocin produces another high as it stimulates the release of dopamine and serotonin while reducing anxiety. This will happen particularly during a loving embrace, or even when hugging a pet. How cool is that? So when we ask, what's in it for me? It turns out, there's there's actually a lot in it for you. You get to feel happy. And at the root of most people's greatest desires is the wish to simply be happy. So there you have it. Part of the formula for happiness is to give. Because when we give, we also get. Really, it's the most brilliant mathematical solution. It's my version of the elusive perpetual machine. But in our case, it truly is perpetual. When we give, we get. And when we get, we give. You see, we've just established that the act of giving will produce chemicals in the brain that will create the sensation of happiness, which is an awesome thing to receive. But when we perform acts of kindness, it's often the case that those deeds will be reciprocated. Simply smiling at someone might brighten that person's day long enough that they'll smile at someone else, which keeps the cycle going. In fact, the whole pay-it-forward philosophy provides a wonderful example of a giving loop that repeats itself indefinitely. If you don't know what I'm talking about, this is the philosophy of doing something nice for someone without any thought of getting something back. For example, you might be at the drive-thru and pay for the person's meal behind you without them knowing you did so. When that person gets to the delivery window, the attendant will tell them that the order was paid for already by the car that just left. The philosophy is that these types of random acts of kindness end up creating positive loops that circulate and reverberate. In my opinion, these are the kinds of actions that power our perpetual giving and getting machines. The last thing I'll add to the subject of what's in it for me is the joy and the intoxication you get when you give. We've just learned that dopamine might be responsible for your feeling of happiness, but to drive the point home, think of gift giving for a moment. In our house, Christmas is a pretty special day for us. It's a time for family, a time for reflection, a moment of time that just seems to stop. And then there's the gift giving. I think that most people listening to this podcast will agree that whether it's Christmas time, if you celebrate it, or on a birthday, the act of giving is far more exciting than receiving. Nothing brings me quite the joy I get when I see the reaction that a thoughtful gift can elicit. 
I could get nothing for Christmas and be just as fulfilled by watching the joy of others receiving gifts. And speaking of joy, as my wife and I were walking this morning and I was sharing the topic of today's podcast, she pointed out that it's important to give to yourself as well. Because if we don't pay attention to ourselves and we only care for others, we run the risk of neglecting our own personal needs. And we've all witnessed this when we observe the super mother caring for all her children's needs and not tending to her own. When we give the gift of love, the gift of meditation, or the gift of time to ourselves, the healing properties can be extraordinary. Why do you think people take vacations? Well, it's because it's necessary to unplug from the stresses of life so that the body and the mind can heal. So giving must, by very definition, start with self. And even if you only gave to yourself, my contention is that you'd still be making the world a better place by being healthy, confident, aware, and rested. Your energy would surely impact those around you, resulting in a positive shift for anyone that interacts with you, especially your family. This quite nicely brings us back to a topic I addressed at the beginning of this episode, and that is thought energy as a form of giving. I believe that raising our energy and our consciousness is a surefire way of opening up the awareness or the consciousness necessary to give. I further believe that as we develop clarity through meditation, good deeds, focus, and or love, that giving comes naturally. I actually don't think it's possible to raise one's consciousness without giving. Let me explain. As we become more aware of how to care, think, and heal, the thoughts inherent in those acts necessitate consideration. That consideration becomes emotionally charged and must pass through the Creator, in other words, us, and be manifested in some shape. For someone like Martin Luther King Jr., those thoughts manifested as words and actions that would change not only the United States of America, but would have reverberations around the world. Martin Luther King Jr.'s thought energy was the ultimate form of giving, as that energy had since been converted into peace movements, books on the subject, tremendous positive change, and increased awareness. Coincidentally, the high school that Martin Luther King Jr. attended is named after the African-American educator Booker T. Washington, who has one of my favorite quotes that reads, Those who are happiest are those that do the most for others. I love that saying because it effectively and further demonstrates the relationship between giving and getting. As we get into the habit of giving graciously, a curious thing will begin to happen. I call it the law of attraction, considered to be a pseudoscience by many. Joining forces with an organization to plant trees, clear a riverbed, or help with a charitable event will invariably connect you with like-minded people. Where those connections go can be one of the most remarkable things to watch. I've heard many a story and know people that have met the love of their life at a charity event. When the foundation upon which you build a relationship consists of giving, it bodes well for both the relationship and the lifelong mission of helping others. And if starting a business or getting a job is your dream, what better place to meet like-minded people than at a charitable event? I guess the moral of this point is to forget Tinder and join the Heart and Stroke Foundation. 
Before we wrap this episode up, I wanted to put my finger on why so many of us, myself included, feel a sense of guilt when it comes to our own history of giving. Here's my warning now. I'm about to enter an uncomfortable zone. While I've certainly given my time, my energy, and some financial resources to various causes over the years, I know that I haven't given enough. Or a better way to put it would be to say, I'm capable of giving more. I've been so very fortunate in my life, perhaps more fortunate than most. I've been given a lot by my family, my friends, my colleagues, and I've also earned a lot through my own hard work. And yet the amount of financial capital that I've given is nowhere near commensurate with my earnings. Well, perhaps my previous earnings, given that I now make nothing. But that doesn't change the fact that I could have given more. All that to say that my new life is all about giving, and it feels unbelievable. I'm freer today than I've ever been, and that's because I'm learning to give freely of myself. I'm learning that giving is what life is all about. All right, my friends, we're now on the home stretch, and I suppose it's important to acknowledge the fact that it's okay to say no. Sometimes we are stretched too thin. And sometimes we just don't have it in us to give. And that's okay. As much as we ought to give, it's important to receive as well. It doesn't matter if your energy comes from a banana, from a chicken wing, the sun, or a friend. We all need and require energy. Recognizing that we need a little lift is important. Even the most successful people in the world require energy from others. This is why life and business coaches will stress the importance of forming a mastermind group. Mine is comprised of my wife and my best friend. I get just as much from this mastermind group as I put into it. Again, and it can't be understated, you get what you give. And you give what you get. When you elect to receive, that's just perfect. Because eventually, your tank will be full and it'll be time to fill someone else's tank. Giving isn't something you do. It's not even an act or an event. Giving is a philosophy. When your awareness shifts and you realize the power of giving, it becomes as fundamental as eating. That realization will formulate a belief, and when that happens, whew, watch out. Giving will become a subconscious routine that will change the lives of those around you. It will change the lives of your neighbors and the people in your community. It will change your life if it hasn't already. Hey, thanks for listening to today's episode. I hope you have an awesome day or an awesome night. And as always, I appreciate you. Thank you.